0: Welcome to Jim Galliano's Building a Better Web Presence podcast. Build something better with less moving parts, less overhead, and less headaches. Hey everyone, this is Jim Galliano, and thanks for joining me for this week's podcast episode. Well, we had a few hiccups over the last, I would say, 10 to 12 days with getting this podcast off of the former host, which was Hipcast. They announced they were closing their doors as of the 31st of December and getting all of the episodes moved over to the new hosting platform. And one of the issues that I found was that even though I was able to move most of the episodes over, I would say Hipcast lost about a dozen of the earliest ones going back to July of 2017. So I know I have these episodes recorded somewhere. I'm not exactly sure where that is, but uh, however it turns out, right now approximately 100 episodes are visible if you go to places like Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Amazon Music or any of the other places where this podcast feed is picked up. But there are, I would say, about 200 and... I'm not sure how many episodes there are, maybe 270 or 280. I know we were getting closer to that 300 mark, but there is a link. Now, what I had to do was manually go in to my website at jimgaliano.com and change the actual URLs of the uh, individual audio files, which is a job in and of itself. I started with the most recent episodes. I've already gone through the first four pages. I'm not sure how many pages I have left to do, but this is something that I'll be doing over the course of the next probably few months. Before we continue, today's episode is brought to you by the Digital Strategist Newsletter, which is available right now at jimsnewsletter.com. This is my free monthly newsletter. I think you'll really enjoy it, so be sure to sign up for it if you haven't already. This episode is also brought to you by OneToManySystem.com, and this is the training where I go over the marketing system that I use and that I teach my clients to use to help you transform and grow what maybe up until this point in time is basically a service-based business. But even if you don't sell a service online and you have a certain type of expertise that you would like to package and sell I think that one will really help you do all the above. So while it's available, the free training is there, one to many Go ahead and check that out. The other day, I was thinking about the fact that so many things have happened over the last few years worldwide. Some of these things, of course, are fairly obvious, others not so much, especially when we're talking about uh, small businesses, mid-sized businesses, and how they've been impacted around the world. According to the word on the street, (laughs) I like that phrase, the word on the street. That's the things that people are talking about that really aren't being publicized. They're more or less talking about these things in small groups. But certain online industries are really starting to hurt right now, especially the ones that relied heavily on paid ads as their main source of website traffic. Let me just paint a quick picture for you here so it'll be really easy for you to follow. Imagine this you have a larger business and you invest, let's say $1.25 in Facebook. And for every $1.25 you invest, you get $2.50 back. What would the average business person do when something like that happens? Most, of course, will invest as much as they can because the returns are just excellent. But what happens when a business really starts to make money? especially if that's a newer business and they're not used to making that kind of income. Well, of course, people usually spend money at a faster rate, more amounts of it than maybe they have in the past. So if we looked at it like a graph, if we saw a chart of it, you would see a spending pattern that was fairly similar from month to month, from quarter to quarter, from year to year. But when that business takes off, Then suddenly the spending can go off the chart, both for the business and for the individuals inside the business. And of course, if you're investing $1.25 in ads and getting $2.50 back on that $1.25 investment, well, then naturally, emotion wise, you're going to think, let's just go all in on this with whatever we can invest and just get as much back as possible. So, would you call that greed? I don't know. Maybe some people it would be kind of like gambling with other people. They may just see it as an opportunity. They want to take advantage of it. But just like any other type of opportunity, windows open and windows close. Well, you know, many people invest money and they put money back into their business again and other people will put it to the side. They'll be more conservative about it. They'll want to build up a cash reserve And let me tell you, if you haven't had money for quite some time, you suddenly do. Even if you do have a cash reserve, it's kind of hard to have the same mindset that you did when you were just kind of scraping by. You go out and you buy the things that you've wanted. And I'm not even saying that you shouldn't do this. I'm just saying that it's almost like human nature. You buy more than you need. You consume more than you need. And then there's a leveling out process. They say that lottery winners on average go broke within five years because they just can't handle that kind of money. I don't know about that. I guess it depends on the individual, but think about it from a business perspective. A lot of businesses, once they start, I'm talking about online, primarily online type of businesses. When you start making money, you maybe invest in some things. Let's call it an investment. So instead of just having Basic web hosting, you'll invest in a premium type of web hosting solution, better servers. Or if you do email marketing just using a basic solution, maybe you'll invest in a better one that has all of the bells and all of the whistles. And in the digital world, most of these services are subscription based. But, you know, it takes money to make money. And so a lot of times people just subscribe to services that. And it's easy to happen. It happens quite easily. You have subscriptions that you're not even aware of anymore. I remember there were times where I subscribed to so many streaming services because there were different shows that I watched. They were on one service, but they weren't on the other. And then after a while, I lost track of what I was paying for and what I had canceled and what I thought I had canceled, but I hadn't. And today, even with subscription streaming services, a lot of people are cutting back on. Those subscriptions. But the online world is like that. So whether you're wanting to buy a subscription for entertainment for personal reasons or you're doing it for business reasons, for things like email marketing or marketing analytics, web hosting, all of these things, it becomes easy to start spending more than you think you're spending. So I've spent much of my own time with one foot in the tech world and the other in the marketing world and there's a bit of overlap there but what i've seen is that the tech world is always changing and it's not exactly a low overhead kind of field that we're talking about first of all the customers tech customers people that just love to be on the cutting edge they're never really satisfied for long They're always looking for improvements and additions, and that means if you're creating those type of solutions for that market, you always have to be in research and development mode. Plus, when we're talking about things like software and apps, there will always be a need for customer support because you have all different types of people that buy these kinds of solutions. Some of them are highly technical. And they'll spend hours trying to figure out what a problem is or to resolve it on their own before they'll contact any kind of support. And other people, at just the slightest hint of an issue, they're contacting technical support. And then we have every kind of person in between that. But when it comes to customer support, how important is that if you have a software type of company or if you have any kind of tech? Well, it's hugely important. I mean, just think about the basic technology that we use each and every day. If there's an issue with your cell phone, calls are dropping with the phone, and you call support, do you want to be put on hold or have to hit several different keys before you actually get to talk to someone live? Well, one of my favorite ones is when the internet access goes down and they tell you on the phone to go online and contact someone through their support portal. And of course, If you were able to get online, you wouldn't be calling them in the first place. And I know, yes, you could use your data plan on the phone. Hopefully it's different from your internet connection if your internet's down. But how many issues are there when it comes to technology? There's never a shortage of issues. And so customer support sometimes can be the key issue in whether someone's happy in doing business with a company or unhappy. It could be the thing that causes people to lose business because their customer support just isn't on par where it needs to be. As a matter of fact, the company that's closing their doors that I was hosting my podcast and some of my other podcasts on that platform, their customer service had dropped the ball several times over. And I'm convinced after the last time, I believe it was September, where the service was down for several days, that a lot of people just abandoned ship on them at that point, And they realized that they weren't going to be able to recover. They lost too many customers. And so I was already in the process. I was one of them of moving some of my podcasts over. Lori has a few podcasts. I have a few other podcasts. I have a client podcast that I host. So I'm moving all of this stuff over. And then about three weeks after I started that initial move, this podcast was the last one. that I was going to move over, simply because there were just so many episodes. The point I'm trying to make is, three weeks after I started my own migration, I received a message. Everyone on the platform, of course, got the message that they were closing their doors for good on midnight of the 31st of December. That was it, New Year's Eve. Everything was closing down, and as of December 1st, they weren't going to whatever you had on the platform, that was going to be it. You couldn't even upload anything after December 1st. So they were nice enough to give people some time to abandon the ship, and they were around since 2003. So one of the things, one of the issues that this company faced was they didn't have the ability to keep up with the change in technology, with the advances in uh, UI or UX, and it was just that the platform... It worked well, at least until the last, I would say, several months. There were issues here and there, but you could tell that they just didn't have the money to reinvest back in the business at a quick enough pace to keep up with their competitors. And that happens sometimes. Sometimes the owners of the company, I'm not saying that this is the case with this company, but sometimes the the people, the owners of the company, the people who are on payroll or taking their uh, money out of the company, they bleed the company dry. It wasn't that they just didn't have enough customers or clients. It's just that the money was mismanaged. And so I think that this happens a lot. And we never really hear about it. But businesses get in trouble for all kinds of reasons. It could be bad customer support. It could be uh, losing control over your overhead, spending more money than you're making and not realizing it until the market turns in the wrong direction and suddenly you're not getting for that dollar 25 you've invested in Facebook you're not getting um 250 back anymore right when the dollar 25 no longer brings back the 250 but only starts returning $0. 75 cents things begin to unravel quickly and that's happening right now in the online world it's happening with more established companies it's happening with two or three year old companies and everywhere in between. It's just a human, that human element of not having cash on hand, of getting too far into debt, or just basic mismanagement of money. Whatever the case is, a lot of businesses are feeling the pressure. Then there's a lot of other people who aren't feeling the pressure, maybe to that extent, but we're all impacted by inflation where money no longer buys what it did even six months ago. And every trip to the grocery store, every time you buy groceries, wherever you buy them from, whether it's in a market or here in the United States, I talked to a guy that was here on vacation from Italy, and he was telling me that he couldn't afford to eat if he lived here. But the groceries that he purchased every day in the marketplaces in Italy were probably 10 times better than the groceries he was purchasing here from some of our bigger food stores. So he couldn't. He just couldn't believe the dynamic that he was facing, and he was looking forward to going back to Italy again. So I think that regardless of the size of the business, human nature being what it is, people grow maybe too comfortable during times of prosperity, and they're not structured in such a way, both in how they think and how they operate their business, how they manage it, that they can withstand an extended time of adversity. I'll never forget this. Somebody said this years ago and it stayed with me that true wealth can only be measured in how long you cannot work, not bring a single dime of income in and still maintain your current lifestyle. That was the true measure of wealth. And when you look at it that way, it really does, it's a sobering thought. Now you can carry debt and I've done it myself, especially when I was younger. I was used to carrying a certain amount of debt every month on my credit cards or several credit cards. I would carry this debt, and I would make these minimum payments, and honestly, there just wasn't a lot of room for error. And when you're in your 20s, you want what you want. You don't want to put off gratification until later on. You want to make certain purchases. You want to go out. You want to have a few drinks. You want to eat at nice restaurants, all of those things but it does get a little bit easier the older that you get seeing the reality of borrowing today and then paying tomorrow. Because credit, when you really look at it for what it is, you're taking money from the future and bringing it into the present so that when the future arrives, that money isn't there. It is going back into the past. I guess that's about the the most visual way I could present it. So yeah, there's this issue of having too little cash, having too much debt on hand. But then beyond the mathematical side of the problem, another thing that I see changing is that certain segments in the marketplaces that I have been in for years, for example, internet marketing or digital marketing, these industries are beginning to shrink. I don't want to say they're dying, but there's a glut of agencies out there. There's a glut of experts out there. And there's beginning to, we're beginning to see fewer clients, fewer people willing to spend the big money over the long haul like they were in the past. So we look at solo brands, individuals, and freelancers. These kind of business people are beginning to replace their larger, we might call them big city counterparts. Whereas in the past, the solo brand, the individual, the freelancer aspired to build what we might call the the big city model, where you're charging premium prices for everything that you do, you have the biggest clients possible. That model seems to be on the decline. And also ad spending, whenever there's a recession, whenever things are rough financially, ad spending is usually the first thing that starts to decline. And all of these platforms are, all of their their cash, so to speak, their cash flow is directly connected to ad revenue. Matter of fact, ad revenue is responsible for so many things. And back in the day, you look before the days of television in the 1940s, the ad revenue wasn't responsible for transforming uh, sports, for example, and athletes into multimillionaires. It wasn't until the 1950s when the advertisers began to invest in commercials, TV, that we begin to see the salaries of baseball players, football players, all of those things skyrocket. Ad revenue is responsible for taking, uh, transforming sports as we know them in the United States. And most of us who were born after that. You know, I wasn't born in the 1940s, but all I've ever known is sports the way we see them today, where everybody is wealthy. Same thing with actors and actresses and <clears throat> getting paid you know, millions upon millions of dollars. Where does all that money literally come from? It literally comes from ad revenue. After all this said and done, yeah, merchandising and all of that stuff. But okay, Let's just put that for the, to the side for the minute. So right now we're in a time, an, in a recession, where the ad spending is going to decline. So what do you think is going to happen when ad revenue declines? How do you make up for that? Well, inflation also will affect the price of ads, so ad costs will rise to counterbalance that. So maybe you had, I mean, let's just make it simple. Ten people are buying the same product every month. You lose five of those people. How do you make up that revenue? We just have to boost the cost of what the five people left are willing to spend. And there is a point where people aren't willing to spend anymore. There is a cap on everything. People are hurting because they're spending more than they can afford just for the necessities. We're not even talking about the extras. So, But bringing this back into the uh, business spectrum, that's why having a lower overhead or having an overhead that's manageable is so important. But individual and smaller businesses, which is the type of businesses that most of you who listen to this podcast operate, you couldn't really be in a better position right now to pick up the slack, depending on what you're selling, that's going to be dropped by the larger companies who can't afford to price competitively because their overhead, along with their debt, won't allow them to do so without laying off some of their existing staff. You might look at a big company and say on the outside, well, they're not really my competitor, I run a smaller sized online business, and although that may have been so in the past, now larger companies, I'm talking about companies you may find that have a physical presence in New York, Los Angeles, London, places like that. Those companies are hiring individuals, freelancers, subcontractors, and smaller businesses located remotely in smaller towns with less pop in less populated areas. And they're parting ways with the larger local big city agencies and service providers. Because at the end of the day, all they're looking for is a result. And if you can deliver that result, even though you're 500 or 1,000 miles away, now you are a viable alternative. Whereas even 10 years ago, that wasn't the case. In the digital world, a freelancer may be able to easily bid 10 or 15% less on a project than a larger competitor can. One company may have to cover their office rent, their electric bill, their salaries, benefits, everything else. All of this gets figured into their pricing model. It's just simple math. But if you can deliver the goods, you can beat a giant competitor today. And this just isn't theory. It's happening as we speak. Here's the thing. I don't recommend rock bottom prices unless maybe you're in your late teens or your early 20s and you're still learning your craft. Then if you're charging less, sometimes people and you're younger, there's a little bit more room for error. Not a lot, but maybe a little more. For everyone else, and that's most of you, you can still be competitive with your pricing and turn a solid profit, which most of the larger companies slash agency competitors cannot, especially in the middle of a recession, especially with the situation that we're in right now with inflation. So maybe a new dynamic is gradually forming right in front of us where big can no longer withstand the test of time as effectively as small to mid-sized can. Just think about how many big companies have failed over the last 20 years whereas if we went back to let's pick 1950 again companies that were big in 19 in the 1950s were big in the 60s they were big in the 70s now we just see that large companies they don't they can't maintain now I know you can maybe you'll say Apple or Microsoft but those are just two there's a lot of others that just can't maintain over the long haul and make it through these times of adversity the way they used to in the past. So maybe this is something new that we're seeing kind of play out in our lifetime, in our own experience. So, I mean, we can look at this big versus small and being able to withstand problems easier as a maybe more mobile, smaller type of business. But if you look at things at the highest possible level now, I'm talking about governments and countries, the world is basically bankrupt if we apply the same standards to countries, to governments that we apply to individuals? Because it's still all money at the end of the day, isn't it? For example, you couldn't keep your doors open if you were millions of dollars in debt. You don't have a private reserve bank that can print money for you to pay your monthly expenses. You know, a report came out yesterday and it said that almost a third, not quite, but almost a third of Americans right now are out of work, collecting many of them collecting unemployment benefits. Another report said that the majority of Americans polled who are employed are saying that they need at least twenty percent more, a twenty percent increase in income just to keep pace with inflation. So let me just encourage you not to let these facts swallow up your thinking and so that you start thinking, you know, like fatalistically or negatively. I mean these are realities, but there's another reality right alongside of it, and that is there's plenty of money out there to keep your specific business more than just afloat. You just you just have to remain conscious of what people value and how those values change when people are dealing with things like a financial crisis. And if you're a freelancer, a solopreneur or a small business owner who does business online, your situation on average, does not come with the same challenges that an individual faces who's an employee and who has limited choices because they're working for someone else. See, when you watch the news in general, the news is more or less tailored to the average person's experience, and the average person does not own their own business. They do not own an online business. They work for someone else. They're an employee. They work for an organization. And this isn't pro or con, whether it's better to work for an organization or work for yourself. I'm just stating things as they are. You have advantages as a small business owner. Sure, there's disadvantages, but you do have advantages that could work in your favor once you recognize what's happening in the world all around us. So be smart about how you're spending your money. And that doesn't mean you shy away from risks. It just means that you have to keep yourself in check when it comes to how and where you're spending. Finally, Let me ask you this. Are you aware of how some of the subtle changes in society as a whole can affect how you're going to be marketing in your business in the future? One of the things I was thinking about the other day was the old show. It ran from about 1984 to around 94, 95, something like that. I think it was 12 or 13 seasons. It was called Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. And the show featured these extravagant lifestyles of wealthy entertainers, athletes, socialites. And I know that some people can still relate to that, that kind of wealth, that kind of opulence, that type of extravagance. But I think that that's a smaller segment, perhaps smaller than ever in society that like that kind of thing simply because tastes change showing off extreme wealth may have had a bigger place in the past than it does in the present. It seems out of place in this time in more settings than not. But when you think about the popularity and trends and how things like that work, how many popular things from the past, even 10 years ago, the shows that we were watching, the movies we went to, would never have thrived if they had been released or come out in this current time. So one of the things about marketing that I realize is, one, human nature may not change, but public perception and taste change all the time. So, for example, of course, there's always going to be exceptions to the rule, but people no longer hold experts, regardless of the topic that they're experts in, regardless of how many degrees they have or don't have, or how much experience they have or don't have. Experts are no longer held in the same light or esteem as they were even a few years ago. And I think this is especially true of celebrity experts. Today, the expert next door, quote, expert, unquote, whose lifestyle is maybe similar to yours, seems to be more relatable to an increasing number of people than maybe someone who has the status of a famous family and they graduated from an Ivy League school. So a lot of things, these are subtle changes. Maybe some of them seem not so subtle to you, but I believe this can have an impact on business marketing and business advertising as we move into 2023. I know for myself, I've taken a look at a lot of my marketing materials and I think about how people marketed to me in the past. For the most part, When I think back about how it was to be marketed to, they were projecting something that I aspired to. And that's how I connected. Maybe not exactly like they were the end all, know all guru on the mountaintop, and I was climbing the mountain wanting to be like them, but there was a little bit of that element there. But there was also an element of relatability there, the people that I connected with the most. In other words, These were individuals who were once in the same place that I was in. They had a similar problem or maybe the same problem and they solved it. And so I was kind of following along in their footsteps. And maybe this is the reason why recently I heard that pure how-to type video channels on YouTube aren't doing as well as they were two or three years ago. I don't know, but that's what I heard. And the people that I heard talking about this were individuals who changed the style of how they were creating videos because their channels were struggling. Now, personally, I've always been a fan of how to type information. I like to have things set out in such a way that I can follow step by step. But in one discussion that I was listening to, they were saying that the people that are attracted to that kind of content are not the people that really connect with the video or content creators. These are people that look for whatever they need whenever they need it, and then they don't come back again until they need something else. They don't have that connection, and that's what these content creators, at least on YouTube, were looking for. And I understand that. That makes sense. Maybe they do have a point there. So when you look at both of these things together, yes, how-to information or how-to type information is always going to be there, but it seems that people today are also looking for maybe someone that they can relate to, someone that is not like so far and above their level the that aspirational element doesn't seem to be maybe as realistic to certain people as it used to be i don't know i mean recently i was looking at a well-known salesperson's website and this person travels around in their own private jet and they're well-known and they have books and and courses and all of this stuff they're at the top of their field his name just for some reason my mind blanked out with his name But I thought to myself, if I was trying to learn sales, yeah, I would probably want to know what he has to say about it, but can I see myself flying around on a jet? Is that something that's relatable to me? Not really. Uh, His wife is a actress or former actress. And so, and, and nothing against anyone who projects that, especially if it's real and not fake, not put on. But I think that if you look at the mood of the culture, over the past several years, I think that that being the epitome of success is no longer, I think it's in question. So, all right. Well, that's about all for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you think it will help a friend, please go ahead and share the episode link with them, or you can send them directly to jimgaleano.com forward slash podcast all of the back episodes will be available there. I have to change a whole bunch of links. So in order to get that going, but I have the first four pages all locked down with the new podcast host. So thanks again for listening. I really appreciate it. Have a great rest of your week, and I'll talk to you later.